0: Hey peeps, this is Fernie, your resident psychic medium and spiritual teacher, and you're listening to Fernie Unfiltered, where we dive into topics that enlighten, inform, and entertain the soul. So let's talk about the way we grew up, because, you know, we didn't grow up together. We grew up separate, you know, and even though like I... I was with you, what, when you were like two or three. And then after that, you know, mommy got sick and then they, you went to go live with the and tía. And then I went to, I was put with grandpa Karina was sent off to God knows where, you know, and then, after that when mom came out of the hospital I was put back with mom. So you stayed living with Theo and Thea, and they love the shit out of you. I mean they like got you everything, you know. And I think that's one thing that that's one of the reasons why I didn't like you so much when you we were a kid because I felt like you were this spoiled brat and you always had everything you wanted. And you were like mommy mommy I want that toy, you know, and they're like okay, you'll get it. And I'm like bitch like I, I could barely get one toy. You're like you know all these toys. So, you know, you get all these toys. And, and then for a while, we were living like right, right next door to each other, we, you know, because mommy and I were living with, with the, in the house next door and you were in that other house. And so we would get to play together. And every now and then Karina would, you know, come around or whatever. But um, after that, you know, that, after that change, that's when everything started to kind of go in another direction. And mom and I, we moved out. We went ahead. We were actually living with Karina and Theo Eddie for a while. But you stayed with Tio and Tia. And then at that time, he was sick. He had cancer. And so you were having to deal with how old was that? How old were you when Theo got sick?
1: Jeez, I think it was like between eight and ten.
0: Okay, yeah, because you were still pretty young. I mean, I remember like you like did well. First of all, when they told you that he had cancer, when they like gave you that information, did you even comprehend what that was?
1: Mm, I don't. I don't even remember them telling me. The moment that really stood out was when I was um, I was asleep. A mama mia floor, I want to mm. say. Like we were in the living room, mm. and I remember her waking me up and telling me that Theo passed.
0: Mm.
1: And I think then that's when I understood, like, oh,
0: this is like, okay, yeah, this is like, this something is happening, yeah. yeah. So after Theo passed, it was just you and Thea for a while, mm-hmm. and she just kind of took over. And you know, as far as as far as we knew, they were your mom and dad because I mean, you were so young when you went to go live with them that you don't remember mom and me, you know, being with us. You were more like with them at that age. So they were like your mom and dad and they were with you. I mean, you were with them forever. So after Theo passed, it was just you and Tia, uh Theo, Julie. And how did life, like, how did life seem after that?
1: Um, I went through my rebellious phase, I guess. Mm. I think... Internally, I was freaking out, and I just couldn't deal with the fact that Theo had passed, yeah, so I think I started to lash out and i I was a handful for thea. I know I was like I was just completely out of control, yeah, like you know I was acting up, causing all kind of conflict between thea and i it just it went downhill from there, largely yeah. because I just couldn't cope.
0: Yeah. I think I think they that I don't think they were expecting or anybody was expecting you to go into a rebellious stage because even though you were even as a kid, as a child, you were a handful because you were just, you know, you always were the you always were just, you know, constantly doing something or, you know, whatever. And you always traveled around with the Anthea, going to places and stuff. So I think at that point you were just angry and mad and pissed off because it wasn't the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Were you closer with Theo than with Thea? Before? I think I was. Okay. Like, I
1: remember, like, memories when I was little. Like, he would watch TV at night, like, late at night. And mm-hmm. he would sit in his little, um in his re- uh, recliner chair. Mm-hmm. And I had a little small reclining chair as well. So, I would sit there with him mm-hmm. and, like, watch TV and stuff. So, yeah, I, I think I was closer to deal Yeah. I, I was pretty much, like, I was a daddy's girl. Like, he would spoil me and I would never, you know, I would get, like you said, anything I wanted. And I felt, you know, I was, I felt like... Apple of his
0: eye. Yeah, you felt like a princess. Well, I mean, he—I think didn't he call you? What was? What did he call you? He did call you princess, didn't he? He used to call you princess.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he
0: did. And then Thea was the the queen. <laughs> <laughs> the queen. Okay, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, yeah. So. Once the, you started to go through the rebellious stage, that's when we started to pop back into the picture because our relationship with Theo and Thea wasn't that great before he passed because we had a big old falling out. And then after he passed, she you know, still held grudges against us. So we, we hadn't come around for a while and you kind of grew up many years without us really being a part of your life. And then once you started going through the rebellious stage… And this started right like – so the first time I heard about you you going through some issues because I had had a dream. And in the dream, it was Theo. And we were, we were at Theo Tony's house, but Theo was in the living room, and he was in a deathbed pretty much. He was like in this hospital bed. He couldn't do anything for himself. And he was telling me – he said, I need your help. And I was sitting next to him in the bed in the dream, and I said, okay. And then he had like – shitted all over himself in the bed. And so he asked, he asked me if I could help him clean up his mess. And I was like, okay. And so then I bent him over and I started cleaning up his shit. And so when he was talking to me, I felt like he was talking to me about you and the dream, because even though he was talking about, you know, he was showing me and you did to clean up my shit. I was like, okay, so when I woke up, I didn't understand fully because I kept thinking about you when he was telling me that in the dream, but it it didn't register. And then a week later, that's when Thea Julie called us and called mom and said that she was struggling with you and that she didn't know how to deal with what was going on and that you were dating like a gang member and you were starting to like experiment and you were starting to like, your grades are going to hell and all this thing was happening and I was in shock. I I didn't understand that because, you know, you were always this like, you know, princess who had everything and who always did the good grades and got straight A's, you went to private school and all this other stuff. So it's, it, it didn't make any sense for me why you would be that way when it was so easy for you. So I was like, okay. So then you, she, she, she didn't make it seem like she wanted you to come live with us. She just made it seem like she wanted us to help her. And so we were like, okay. And so I, I told her. I think it would be a good idea for you to come and stay with us or just to come and be with us for a little while because you had never really struggled or had gone through a lot of struggle in your life and um you I don't think I think that having it easy made it easy for you to just not give a damn about anything you were doing because everything was just solid or stable in in that way. And I think she agreed with, with us. And so, but we were just going to, you were just going to come stay for like a few days, you know? So when you came to stay with us, you know, then it turns out that the, kicks you out. And like, she just like comes with a bag of a, a trash bag of clothes and just drops it off. And at that point, that's your new reality. And that's the mm-hmm. shit that you have to deal with. So like at that point, the rug was pulled out from underneath you and your life is like completely 100% changed at that moment. That's huge because not everybody would be able to go through something like that and be like, well, here I am, bitches. I have a master's degree, you know, like who, who's going to be, <laughs> who's going to have like their life be like, okay. Like even with all that support and stuff and all of a sudden shit just gets changed. So what did that, what was that part like going through that experience of just having that? I mean, I'm I'm sure you probably felt betrayed by her just because, you know, you trusted her to take care of you to be your mom. I mean, essentially, she was mom for you. Mm-hmm.
1: I felt like um, that moment, that was when the whole rejection started building into my mm. personality. Like, um, I felt like, in a sense, Theo was gone. I felt like that environment was perfect. My life was perfect. And I had like this perfect dad, this yeah, yeah. perfect mom. And I felt like once Theo passed, it was... Kind of in a way that he just turned his back on me. It wasn't his fault, of right. course, and he, it's, it's nothing that anyone could have controlled. But in a sense, I felt like life had like turned its back on me. So then, when when Dia was like, you know what, I can't deal with their shit anymore, right? And, and she, you know, kicked me out. You know, mm-hmm. um, I it it felt like, you know, wow, like this person turned their back on me. Now this person's turning their back on me. Like, am I that bad? Like, right. you know, like mm-hmm. it was a three sixty, and then coming to me with you and mom. It was a change in environment. It was a change in my emotional state. I felt like reality hit me then and there. Like, this is life. This is, you know, you're either going to sink or swim. And Mm -hmm. I felt like at that moment, probably for that first year of being with you Mm -hmm. and mom, that was tough. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember skipping school and smoking, doing all these things I wasn't supposed to. Early Mm -hmm. sex. Like, it was just, I was a hot mess. And I remember... I remember you talking to me and telling me, like, I'm not the, uh, I'm not going to try to control you. And I remember you saying, you're going to learn by trial and error. If You want to go get yourself pregnant, blah, 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 and do all this stuff, then that's on you. You're going to have to dig yourself out of it. Mm. Like, I remember you telling me that. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, he's given me the freedom to do whatever I want Mm. to, you know, go test around and, you know, basically just. Make errors, mm-hmm. and in a sense, I was scary because I never had that freedom. Like Dia, would always try to control me, and you know, very strict, you know, mm-hmm. strict rules growing up. And I felt like here I am, given the opportunity to do whatever the heck I want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was scary, but not all that. I felt like that was the best approach, you know. Like mm-hmm. you, you telling me, you know, you learn by trial and error. You're going to sink, or you're going to swim. So is on you. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was really tough, but at the end of the day, I taught myself what's right and wrong. Of course, you know, you were there guiding me, but I felt like uh, it was it was an experience.
0: Yeah. Well, it and then, and, you know. It didn't even start I mean, and it didn't start off that simply. It didn't start off that easy because I mean, the, the my first instinct when you moved in with us was I mean, cuz and to 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 break it down for people like you came from like a three-bedroom house with everything in a nice neighborhood and a nice out of town. Well, at that point, it was a nice out of town, yeah. and so it was really nice, you know, neighborhood, everything. And then you moved over to the hood with us, and we lived in a one-bedroom apartment of a fourplex. And you know, every few nights you'd hear a gunshot or whatever, and 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 uh, you know, there was two beds in the bedroom, and you slept in one, mom slept in the other one. She snored up the wazoo, so she was, uh, you know, that was a crazy. And I slept in the living room, and so you went from like this really nice lifestyle to this all of a sudden you're in the hood you know with us and you know we have foil on the windows because it keeps the, it keeps the heat out you know so yeah. we only had one ac unit so because you, you can't pay all those bills and my first instinct when you moved in with us was like fix her fix her like fix her because if you don't fix her, she's going to like completely like everything's going to end. So my first instinct was to tell you, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. And I said, I put you on a curfew. I told you you had to break up with that guy in San Antonio. Like I was going <laughs> at you that way because everybody was telling me like, you need to like be tough with her. You need to tough love her because if you don't tough love her, she's going to go off, get pregnant and then she's going to be, you know, a disaster. And I was like, okay. And I tried that approach with you and you just got like worse. And you were like, we were fighting a lot and you were like pushing <laughs> back like nobody's business and i was like oh shit this isn't gonna work because this is gonna make me fucking crazy and then i had a conversation with my my with god in my head and i was like what do i do like how do i handle this because i'm i and i was even asking Theo, i'm like you asked me to help you you asked me to help with this like what am i supposed to do and they kept coming back to let her live her life the way she chooses she must learn on her own don't control her. Just be her friend. All you can do is be her friend. So just offer her friendship and support whatever she decides to do for herself. But that's it. And at the time, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, how are you going to just let somebody do whatever the hell they want? And then they're going to make the right decision, you know? And everybody was telling me, like, Monica, like, all of them were like, don't let her, don't let, don't give her control. Like, let her do whatever she wants because she's going to go off. And, she's gonna, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to approach this differently because this isn't going to work. This other way and I'm going to make myself crazy. And on top of that, we already had mom to deal with because she was still, you know, more sick then than she was today, but she was still a lot under a lot of medications. And so I had to deal with her bullshit. And then you had your stuff going on and all of that was just too much. And I was just trying at that time. I had just started community college cause I was going to go to school and I just like, this was my first semester. And you were like, you know, every few weekends you were having a breakdown, you were crying, you felt abandoned, you felt rejected. like you were going through all of that, like aftermath. And on top of that, I'm over here trying to tell you what to do. So I think I had to follow what they were telling me, like, just let her do whatever she wants to. So, and, and it didn't make sense to me either. But I didn't have anybody telling me what to do, you know, and I think that's where I was like, well, I didn't have nobody telling me how to live my life or what to do. I had to learn the hard way, but I learned and I was able to come out of it. So I'm like, well, let me just give her the same fucking freedom because that's the only way that this might work is to give her the control of her own life. Um, And that worked because you did go on. I mean, it's not like life was easy after that. You still had to go from like a private school to a freaking public school. Right yeah
1: yeah that was a hot mess yeah yeah i
0: know that but i'm a, a, a public school in the hood nonetheless yeah. you know and you ain't never <laughs> been you know even even when you all lived on that side of town y'all still you were in a nice house you had your own room and all that other stuff so it's just a different setup so do you feel like do you do, what do you think helped you through that period in your life as far as like sink or swim? Because, you know, there were times where I thought you were going to sink and I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but you still made it. You still got through that period. Like, what do you think helped you the most during that period of your life?
1: Uh, let me see here. So I'm thinking like high school, like once like Stephen F. Austin High School. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think sports helped me a little bit um, just to keep me. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I think that grounded me a bit. Um, I think what really set in was my freshman year, and I remember getting my report card, and my GPA was a one point three. Mm. So I think at that moment I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is bad. This is <laughs> bad. Yeah. Like oh my god!" And it wasn't because you know I I wasn't I I wasn't doing what I you know need to do. It was skipping courses and stuff. So I think. Looking at my GPA, Mm 1.3, oh my God. I think that right there scared me a a bit. Mm -hmm. Like, what, you know, like where am I gonna go from this? You know, like, I think that moment there really scared me because I felt like I was like eavesdropping like the other students were saying, oh, my GPA is this, my GPA is that. And I'm like, damn, I look really dumb because I've been skipping and doing you know, things I'm not supposed to, and I have a 1.3 GPA, like, yeah. this is embarrassing, it, it it was embarrassing.
0: Yeah, and you, like, the kids at school, they thought you were white, because you didn't look, like, you know, typical Hispanic with darker skin or whatever, so they would, like, remember, I think you were tell me, like, they would say sp- stuff in Spanish, and then I would respond, and they would be, like...
1: Yeah, there was some of those instances, I think, like, in school, I think, like, e- like high school, even probably through middle school, I think, I don't know. I I felt like I was very, I was a loner. And I felt like, maybe because of life situation, Mm. I just felt like it was easier just to be alone. You know, I have my friends here and there. But I was very much, you know, just trying to be like, to myself and stuff. I would still like partake in like, you know, sports and stuff or whatever. But I felt like for the most part, I was a loner and kind of socially awkward. I Mm. feel like I'm still socially awkward. But Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I just, I think that was kind of a defense mechanism just to kind of just close off from people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, around that time is when mom qualified for section eight assistance and she got that and then you know she'd already been in disability for years because she, you know she's pretty much brain like not woke, like awoke. but um then she got the section 8 housing thing and then we were able to move into a three bedroom apartment and that was like Christmas for us because I remember when we first moved in I was so happy you were so happy we were like on the carpet and we we're trying to make what was it were we trying to make like snow angels on the carpet or whatever we were okay <laughs> we're like, like oh angels. my god yeah because I had never lived in this anything Uh, aside from that house that we lived in right next to y'all for a while i had never been in a a place that nice and now you know when we think about it it's like we're really not that nice but it was to us at that time because it was a step up from that one bedroom apartment and we were all gonna get our (laughs) own rooms you know yeah it
1: felt like luxury it really did like it felt like oh my god we're moving up oh my god we have this really mm -hmm. fancy ass apartment i mean it did feel
0: it did felt very nice and then that's when um and then that first year, we got the Christmas tree. We got the fake big old fake Christmas tree, and we <laughs> decorated it and did all that. And we took those pictures where we were all hugging the tree because we never really had, like, a Christmas Christmas tree. Like, after that, you had because you grew up with all of that. But it has been a, a few years where you hadn't had any of that stuff. Um, and then you went on, and you went to school. You went to college. You graduated. You went to college. And originally what did you want to do with your life? Like before all that happened when you were growing up, like what did you think you were going to do with your life?
1: Um, my last year of high school
0: before, before you, before you moved with me and mom, before, before any of that stuff happened, like, and you were still with the and the, theo. did you have an idea of what you were going to do with your life?
1: I don't think I did.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, I don't think I did.
0: Mm. So then when you got with us and you were in high school, what did you think you were going to end up doing? Um,
1: I, college was never in my plans my senior year I was doing the co-op thing I don't know if you remember I would like work
0: part-time mm, mm-hmm.
1: and then do I did that. Uh, go to school part-time yeah um so at that time I thought uh, with the co-op program that was a lot of money mm. and so I felt like oh I don't need to go to college and, you know I'm already making a lot of money mm-hmm. now
0: of money. <laughs> right uh, you know,
1: so I <laughs> I was like oh I don't have to go to college so yeah like even my mentality senior year, I'm like, I'm not doing college. There's no need to. I'm already like balling out of control.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, <laughs> no, what made you, no, what made no, you
0: no. like reconsider that or what made you, what that, what made that switch for you?
1: Honestly, no, no, I, I can't remember. Like, I'm not sh- Oh, I do remember. So, from, I don't know if you remember, but when you were younger, you were very, very tech savvy. You were always making your own computers.
0: Mm.
1: And, and, you know, a part of me, I wanted to be like you. Mm. Like I wanted to be technical like you. So a lot of that had to do with you. Um, a part of me was like, you know what, I want to go to school and I want to be tech savvy and, and all this stuff. And it was because, you know, of how you were mm. and how I, you know, I admired you, you and how I Well,
0: I'll try to disappoint you often enough. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think, Uh, I
1: think a lot of it came from that. Like I want to be like, no, I want to be smart and tech savvy and know like computers and all this stuff. So I think a lot of it came from there.
0: Well, now you're like, I mean, you got your master's in what? In business, in business information systems. Is that what it is? Um, Biomedical informatics. Biomedical informatics. (laughs) So essentially IT for the medical industry, right? That's what you do. Pretty much. Yeah. And so like you can, at this point, like you, completely over super you know overcome where i was in SARS tech cuz i don't understand computer code i don't understand all of that other stuff you do you're <laughs> like hey let me show you what i do and then you i remember you coming home with these damn books and all the codes in the books and i was like okay and then you would t- type in codes and i was like oh no i'll do all that so you were like totally like over so overcoming what wherever i got to because i'm more with the physical tech part of it you know i can still do some sort of basic um software stuff but it was more like just basic and you know how to do code um and so what are you responsible for now
1: um so pretty much i'm a business system analyst Mm. and my team that the team that i i'm on we pretty much automate processes Mm -hmm. um we implement systems right now we're implementing a really big uh, system um so yeah we just uh, try to automate stuff that's you know through um manual workflow we try to Automate as much as possible, just to make it easier for business.
0: Mm. What is your favorite part of the job? Like with the work that you do now, like what's your favorite part of that?
1: Um, I like that every day. It's every day is different, so every day, like now, um, I'm building. I'm doing a lot of building for the system, Mm. so it's a lot of just winging it. You got to learn the system. You got to essentially like break stuff to understand it. Mm. So I feel every day you have to figure out, well, you know, how is this going to tie into the workflow? How is this going to make the process better? You know, we're going from this application to like an integrated application. How are we going to make all workflows work? Mm. And how are we going to make it easier for the end user? Um, And I feel like troubleshooting, it's fun for me, and I enjoy it a lot. And I feel like it keeps me occupied. I feel like I'm part of, you know, the bigger picture, mm. you know, um, I like, I like the troubleshooting aspect of it. I think every day is a different day and there's different challenges that comes along mm. and it, it just keeps it interesting.
0: So what's the most, like, what's the part of your job that is still a challenge for you? Or are you still working on building on as far as like your current understanding or workload?
1: Um, I think the biggest challenge for me um, and I actually mentioned this to my assistant director in our one-on-one session is that I, you know, I tend to be a fly on the wall when it comes to big groups mm. of people. And a lot of times I'm like thinking stuff and I'm like, I'm thinking questions or I know something and I don't want to say anything because it's just, there's, you know, there's always that idea of, well, I don't want to sound silly or, you know. Um, so I think the biggest challenge for me now is just learning how to just put myself out there and just say whatever's on my mind um so one of the one of my goals actually for my next annual review is to push myself when it comes to meetings mm. and talk more when it mm. comes to meetings um so it's been a challenge and it's it, and it's probably a challenge for me like on a personal level like with my um with my friends um you know with mike's you know family and Mm -hmm. uh, just like you know meeting new people being around new people And 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 it may not even be that um i am you know they're new people they're just you know i haven't gotten to that comfort zone yet and it just takes me a while to open up so yeah it's a challenge that's another thing i admire a lot about you fernando is that you know you can I can throw you in a room of people that you have no clue who they are. And probably by, by the end of the night, everybody and their mama wants to be your friend. Right. <laughs> so I really admire that, right. about, you know, because it's something that I struggle with. And I feel like on one-on-ones, I'm, I'm great. I could I will talk you off. But when it comes to like, you know, once you go past that one-on-one level, yeah. it's like, oh, my God, I don't want, I want to say something. I, want, I don't want to, you know, offend somebody or come off silly. And it's just con- it's a constant battle. Yeah. But I'm I'm. Work on it every day. And yeah, it's just, it just takes, it, it's a work in progress.
0: But you know, and, and this is what I've been telling you, cause you've been asking me like, what do you do? How do you, and how do you do that? And I'm like, Shh, you act like it's so easy for me to just go in there and do that because I make it look it is, easy. Oh, you're so good. <laughs> but it's like, I, it is not that easy. like when I show up in, in, in an environment or in an event where there's a lot of people I don't know, I can just have random conversations about nothing, which is what I used to do for years at Starbucks. I learned how to have random conversations about nothing. However how boring is that? Like, how much am I going to get from that experience? And so now, and this is the issue that we had, I had with Marvin when we were, when my ex, when we were together is that whenever we would be around friends, he would just talk about superficial stuff. Like, you know, Hey, you know, how do you do your eyebrows or whatever? I would be like, you know, so what do you want from your life? And do you feel like you're accomplishing? And what do you resent in your life? Like I would go deep into people's lives because for me, if I'm going to have a conversation with somebody, why have an empty, like useless conversation? I don't want to waste my time on just nothing. I'd rather have Mm -hmm. a real deep, Conversation because I feel like there's something to be gained from that, and so what I do is instead of trying to talk about myself because if I talk about myself I get nervous and anxious because I feel like I'm being like examined. What I do is I start asking questions about that person and I get them to talk about themselves. It's like that guy that was at that party at your Christmas party uh, that he's he works uh, with Mike and he was uh, he's a Star Trek freak and he was Star Trek yeah, Black. and all I did was just ask him a few questions and he was talking for the entire time. And And I may maybe popped in there a few seconds here and there, but he was, you know, talking and talking and talking, but it was about getting him to talk about himself because at that point I can understand him. And then I can be like, okay, now I can talk with you because I can tell you what, you know, who I am and what I do, whatever. So, it helps me with that, but it's not easy. And it's still not easy. I mean, right before I get on a, a session with somebody, I still go through a lot of anxiety. I have to like, Oh God, I've got, you know, it's like, it, it's, you know, I do CBD and all that shit because it helps me to relax and calm down and bring myself back to a level of calm so that I can have the conversation and do the work. Once I get into it, it flows really easily. So, but it's not that easy, girl. I, so, I mean, I know well, you make it look like it's
1: easy <laughs> and you're natural. Yeah.
0: So, so then, so we started to learn, I mean, and this is, I think this is, Something that I appreciate about you is that in our families, like we <clears throat> we supported ourselves when we were trying to reach our goals or we were trying to achieve something. And um then we started to learn. Well, first I learned about law of attraction and the secret, watching the secret and all that other stuff and positivity and all that other stuff. And then everything that I was learning, I was teaching you. And so then you were starting to learn about all that stuff as well. And so I think a lot of the success that we've achieved, or a lot of the goals that we've been able to accomplish, have been due to the fact that we've Try to look at the positive thing or the positive spin or trying to be optimistic and not being bogged down by negativity, not being like completely consumed by whatever shit goes on right now, you know, or it happens in life and you, you know, you're at home now. So you, you were working straight from home because of the coronavirus, And so, and then they told y'all like a few days ago that they were going to be like trimming hours or whatever. And you ever have to do some. And I think a lot of people are going through that right now. You know, how, first of all, let's to, to, to touch base on that for a second. How are you dealing with this whole being at home, working from home, not really going out interacting with people, you know, not really eating out as much, whatever. Like, how are you dealing with all of that?
1: Um. There's pros and cons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, I feel like it's been great that I'm able to work from home because a lot of people are not able to do that. Yeah. So I feel like that's that's a blessing right there that I could work from. Essentially, anywhere in the world, if I wanted to, like, if you know, my company would allow me to, like, I, I could work from anywhere. Yeah. Um, when When poo hits the van, so that I'm, you know, grateful for, and I'm grateful that you know I'm saving money here and there, like I don't have to pay for gas, so I'm grateful for that. Um, it's been it's been hard, you know. Mm. Like, I'm trying to. Um, I'm still running. Like, I'm still keeping to my normal routine. Um, so I'll run my miles in the, you know, day, um, or cycle and, you know, I feel like I find myself going outside. I'll sit on the, on the concrete floor and I'll tell Mike, I'm gonna go outside and smell the air. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go and do that. (laughs) I'll sit outside with the dogs and stuff. Um, but you know, in the morning, like when I log in, I have NPR or some kind of news, you know, in the background and, you know, I'm doing work. It is scary hearing about, you know, people being like, you know, part of a layoff and it's scary hearing, you know, people being exposed to coronavirus and the things that, you know, they're they're going through and it's it's just scary and I'm trying to see the positive, but I feel like a lot of people they're going through some really tough times right now, so I feel like me, Being you know, hesitant. saying, "Oh, you know, I'm stuck at home." Wow, wow, that's not really right. an issue at all. Yeah. Like, I feel like some people are really dealing with some some hard stuff, and I'm grateful for you know where I where I am right now, and I'm grateful that my family is safe, and I'm grateful that you know Mike's family is safe. So I feel like you know. Um, I'm not going to complain because, you know, anyone's going to be like, oh, I've been stuck at home. And, yeah, I get frustrated. I'm like, ah, I'm stuck at
0: home. Mm. I just want to, like,
1: go out and smell the air or something. Yeah. You know, occasionally I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery. I'm going to go really fast. But, you know, like, even then I try to, like, you know, keep myself in the house. So, um, but yeah, I feel like. I'm grateful and I'm not going to complain because there's people out there that are really, really dealing with
0: some yeah. stuff. Yeah. What do you think about these people who, you know, like there's some guy named Sam, I think Sam Smith or there was some singer or whatever and they are wealthy and they have these massive houses or mansions or whatever and then they're like breaking down like on day two or three because they haven't seen their friends or because they're like, you know.
1: <laughs> I think that they need to listen to the news. <laughs> And see what people are actually dealing with yeah. because it's, it sucks. It sucks to hear, you know, people are being laid off, businesses, you know. It's just, it's sad. And I feel like, you know, we're all going to get frustrated. We're all humans. You know, We're everybody's in this situation where, you know, this is the first time for a lot of people. So yeah. I feel like people, sh- you know, we're human. We're going to complain. You know, That that's just, the, you know, that's how we are. Yeah. But I feel like whenever you kind of you hear what's going on around you it sets things into perspective of where you are compared to others and you know you just you know
0: it makes you feel grateful. You, so. so so, when I asked you a few minutes ago and asked you like, um, like how are you dealing with the whole situation or whatever, immediately you went to starting to talk about the positives. <laughs> and that's not something that's easy for a lot of people just to automatically try to find a positive in whatever it is that they're dealing with. Because for some people, they can't see anything positive about what's going on right now. And this is a completely overwhelming situation, but you went directly to why are you grateful why are you grateful like you went to that place and that that's a skill and and that's what we've talked about that's what we've worked on for years with, with the secret and being positive and trying to focus on what we can control and all that stuff that's something that we both really struggled to work through and to develop over years because we know a lot of people who are just they're whiny jinies and they complain or they bitch and moan and they're like never happy like they're always upset about something every day is a fucking pandemic in their lives because that's how they act and so this is no different for them. For us, it's like, well, you know, you know, like when you ask me, I'm like, well, I kind of been living this way. I've been in self-quarantine for over a year now, you know, because we moved out here and I only go out once a I was only going out once a week to go to the grocery store. But for, for the most part, I was at home. And the only thing we would do was go walking on the trails. But, you know, even though we're not doing that right now, but this doesn't matter because I still have a treadmill. Some people don't have a fucking treadmill. You know, I saw uh, this guy on um, Facebook or Instagram and, and he's like, okay, I guess I got to start my new workout routine. And he went up to the sink and he poured soap on the floor, a little bit of water. And then he held onto the sink and then he started acting like he was on the treadmill because it's like his feet were slipping and i was like oh my god but you know it's like some people you know and so it's not easy for people to just jump into the positive but you have some people who only try to be positive and they only want to see things only in a positive way they don't acknowledge the stuff that is not going well or the stuff that's wrong or the stuff that's, you know, breaking down or that's not working. And in my opinion, I think everything should be balanced. You know, yes, try to have a positive frame of mind, try to have a positive perspective, but at the same time, shit's still going to happen. Stuff is still going on. That is not fun to go through. You know, you can't always be positive and like, how do you feel about that? Because, you know, you, I know I know a lot of people who are like, be positive. Everybody. Every day is a blessing. Every day is a blessing. I'm like, OK, girl, I need you to like, I don't know what you're thinking or taking, but I'm going to need you to stop with all that bullshit. So how do you feel about that? Like the idea of this toxic and I call it toxic positivity because that's what it's called. Uh,
1: OK, so props to the people that can actually be like that. Of them, yeah. But that's exhausting. Yeah, it is. like, isn't
0: no. it exhausting? Yes, it is exhausting. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: It, it is like I feel like you know even the most positive person like at some point you'd be like okay I gotta take a good ass cry because it's <laughs> one of those days <laughs> right. you know like it's great people try are trying to be positive 24 7 and stuff it's great yeah. but I feel like at some point I, I think it's okay to cry have a good cry here mm. and there or if you know you just got let out let it out because I mean it is exhausting it is exhausting trying to be positive 24 7 and we're human. I don't think we're built to just be like eh, happy, 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 unicorns, yeah. rainbows. Like we're we're just not built that way. We have emotions, and I feel like it's that is very hard. Like even like this past weekend, whenever you know my employer, you know, told us you know our hours are going to be cut. I went into like
0: oh god, oh god, yeah. I'm gonna
1: panic, 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 and then I had had a good cry because I don't know which way it's going to go in five weeks or so. So I had a good cry and I said to Mike. Amor, are we gonna be okay? I just need free to give me a hug. You know, I gave him a hug. I cried it out. Okay, next step. Yeah. Okay, okay, I got it all out. What's yeah. next? What's next? What's the action? Because yeah. I feel like you know, it's okay to cry and it's okay to let out your emotions. Being positive, twenty four seven, that's great and all, but it's okay to have those breakdown moments. Because at the end of it, at the end of that ugly ass cry, mm. you're gonna feel better.
0: Yeah. Well, you <laughs> you've gotten really good at that ugly ass cry because you know, over the years you've dated people, you've been in long-term relationships or long relationships, and then they ended. And I remember the very first time you went through that, you were like, I'm going to jump off a bridge. You know, I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And then afterwards, I was like, just jump off the bridge. Cause I'm sick of hearing about it, you know? And so now you're like, you know, when you go through those periods in your life, you're like, you know, I just broke up with so-and-so and I was like, Oh man, you know? And then you're fine. Like, like Even though you're probably upset for a day or two, like you're like, give me three days, you know, and then you're like, you know, you're basically in your bed, you know, eating ice cream or whatever for two or three days. And then you're like, all right, back to normal people. Let's get back to work, you know, and you're used to bouncing back that quickly. And as before, you were not used to bouncing back that quickly. It took you a long time to work through stuff. Now you're like, well, it is what it fucking is. You know, what am I going to do? Do you do you realize that you do that now? Like you bounce back so fast versus when you were like younger?
1: I don't think I've realized that I do that, but I do know that a lot of that comes from you because (laughs) I remember like the moments where like I go through a breakup or whatever the case is, you, you literally like tell me like, I remember one time, Frondo, I had a I had a nipple scare. Mm-hmm. Remember yep, yep. when I we had, had to go that rash coming? Yeah, like, yeah, what, what the, the hell is going, going on? Yeah, And they sent me to MD I think it was a MD Anderson, a, mm-hmm, the specialist. cancer center. And I was like freaking out. And I remember you telling me, look, cry it out, do whatever you got to do. But if this is what's going to happen, then we're going to go to the next step. And yeah. So I think a lot of that, from you just, you taught me to just be that way. Like, okay, you know, like, when big situations happen, you're the first person I go to. You're the mm-hmm. first person I call or, you know, and you always give me the same advice. Look, cry it out. Do what you got to do. Now let's go into action plan. Yeah. This is what's going to be the next step. So I think, I think now it's just built in for me to be like, okay, oh my God, my words fall apart.
0: Yeah.
1: Cry, 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 cry. Ice cream, ice cream. Snickers bars. Yeah. So
0: good. yeah. And then... What's the next action steps? Mm. So, so well, let's talk about this. The last major experience you went through, which I think was not an easy thing to go through at all, was the whole triathlon craziness uh, because that was yeah. huge. That was a huge thing. And so for people who don't know what happened, you had been training for this Ironman competition for how long?
1: Um, I think I started in like June ish of 29. Oh, Oh, shit, we're in 2020. Yeah. Oh, my God, the years go. So, yeah. 2019? Yeah. Shit.
0: Right. No, you started in June 2018. What, what? No, 2018. Yes, <laughs> you started in June 2018, yeah. June
1: 2018, yeah.
0: yeah. And what was that training about? Like, what did you have to do for all that training?
1: So, for the training. So, the ultimate goal was a half Ironman. Um, and it was um, a half marathon, 1.2 swim, and 56 mile ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so my training consisted of bike riding. Yeah. So my training consisted of cycling on the weekends, long rides. Typically, um my mileage for runs increased, you know. I think I got to comfortable to like eleven miles on the weekends. Um <clears throat> and then swimming was kinda like my hurdle. I, I never really swim before using technique so i had to learn Mm. the proper technique i had to learn breathing that in itself was a very very big struggle i knew going in that that was going to be my burden the swim portion of it Um, so so
0: before you did the before you actually had the triathlon event so you had you had to do swimming you had to do bicycling you had to do running how how far were you running when you were at the end of your training and you were about to start the triathlon how far were you running every weekend
1: um It would vary from like maybe eleven miles, ten miles, sometimes like eight miles. Yeah.
0: So you would run eight to ten, eight to eleven miles every weekend or, mm-hmm. or every day.
1: No, no, no. On the weekends, oh, the okay. weekends was my long run. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then
0: you were bicycling. How many miles?
1: Um. So at the time I was with a group, sometimes we would do like fifty miles on the weekends. 50, like,
0: 50 fifty. Five zero. Five zero. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then with the swimming part, how far were you able to swim when you were still in the training?
1: Um, so I was able to, in the pool, (laughs) I would go ahead and do the, the, uh, oh my God, I'm having a brain fart. I would do the full mileage, Mm -hmm. um, 2,112 meters, yards, um, 1.2 swim, 1.2 mile swim. So I was really comfortable in the pool and then, um, in the lake, Ugh. in the lake, I was not confident at all. Mm. Just because I was really paranoid about alligators.
0: alligators yeah, because she was so, she was swimming with alligators in a lake. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was swimming at Lake Poop, <laughs> yeah. and there was alligators. A baby alligator yeah. caught there. So I think, had I not known that, I would have been okay. But I think a lot of it was like I just couldn't, cal- I, I couldn't yeah. keep myself calm swimming. Like to practice. Um, so, yeah, I think the mileage would have been okay if I just wasn't concerned about something like grabbing me or something in the water, and then, like the fish would touch you, so then that would freak me out too, yeah. so I just could never just calm myself in the water. Well, I think
0: <laughs> you in the water was the thing that I was the most scared about because when you told me that you were trying to you were having to learn how to swim, but you you couldn't swim the whole thing, so you'd have to take all these breaks and and that was just in the pool, and then when you were actually going into the lake and swimming with your group, still, but y'all there was alligators in the lake and all that other stuff. When you tell me about that, like that really was too much for me because I was like, Oh my God, she's gonna fucking drown. Like she's gonna drown. That's it. All this work, she's built herself to all this point in her life and then she's gonna get eaten by a fucking alligator, you know? So that's where my brain was because it was like, Oh my god, like what the hell is she you know, and when you had told me originally that you wanted to go and skydive, and this was like when you were almost done with your master's degree, and I was like, Uh bitch, you're not gonna go through all this just to jump out of an airplane and then have the thing not open. No, like Wait till you're like a viejita and oh, and then you can skydive. Don't do it right now. Cause that's like, it's not an you know, unnecessary risk. So when you told me about the water thing, I remember getting off the phone with you and I was panicking. Cause I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want, I don't really want her to drown. And I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I can't control the situation. And so I was freaking out in my head because you were going to be, you were doing all that. And I remember like, I need to calm down, I need to calm down, I need to calm down. And I had like readings that day in the evening and I was gonna have like a bunch of mediumship and I can't do that unless I'm calm or I'm in the right state of mind. So I was like, let me go for a walk. And I went for a walk. And I was like, okay, I got to listen to something that's going to inspire me or listen to something that's going to just make me come to peace. And I was listening to whatever. And then I was asking God, like, oh my, I just, I need to feel okay about this. I need to be at peace with this. And then as I, I was asking that in my head, a truck went by and as the truck went by on the license plate, it had two, two, two. And I was like, <laughs> ah, you know, and that was my sign. And I was like, yes, perfect. And so I saw that and I was like, Okay. And so I'm like, I'm good now. I'm good now. Because for me, that was the universal sign that Fernie, don't worry. This is where it's supposed to be. It's always, this is exactly how it should be. You know, stop it. And so I was like, okay, cool. Cause whenever I see my alignment sign, it says I'm exactly where I need to be right now. And that means that you are exactly where you need to be at right now. So I'm like, okay, cool. So then I took it as a universal sign and then that just that in itself made me feel so much better because I was like, okay, I trust the universe. I trust that things are going to go the way they need to for people who don't understand what that means. Because when I say I trust that things are going to go the way they need to, not everything's going to be fine because life is not perfect and shit still happens and stuff happens all the time. And it's not about I'm going to pray or I'm going to get the sign from the universe that it's going to be perfect. It's not, that's not what I see it as. I see it as, Whatever it is, whatever's going on, this is meant to be. You will get through whatever you have to get through, but this is how it's supposed to be. So for me, it was basically, you may not you may not understand what she's doing, but she needs to go through this. So let her go through this, because this is going to be big for her. And I was like, okay, so I trust that this is where you needed to be in your life right now, however it played out. And yes, that meant the possibility of something happening to you. So, But I had to trust that, this, this is out of my hands at this point. I have to honor that this is how it needs to be. So then fast forward, you do all your training. You've been working on this for a year and you, I mean, just the training in itself. Like I, and then what I've told you before you even ran the marathon is like, whatever happens, I'm already proud of you because you, were able to just do the fucking training You know and the training itself was A lot I would give up within A week or two of all you know 50 mile bike ride and so To be able to sustain all of that for a year That in itself is a huge feat of accomplishment So for me that's why I was like I don't really care Whether she wants the shit or not because she's already Done like she's outdone me in Anything that I could have ever done so I am uh, Props to her for going this far So then you get to the competition You know I remember that night it was really In the, in the morning it was so dark it was freezing out out there uh, <laughs> oh my god like i was not prepared for it to be that cold had i known it was going to be that cold in pinche Waco, texas i would have brought a jacket and a sweater and all this stuff because i remember you and monica having to like keep me warm because i was like you know i was like freezing there and so then <laughs> you like were prepared you had your drinks you had your this you had to like you It almost like you over prepared for everything because you wouldn't yep. like the you know and so then We waited, waited, waited. Everybody's starting to jump into this river. So the the course was you have to jump into this river. You have to swim. What? Like how many miles? 1.2 miles miles in this river. And then, and with a bunch of other people. And then how many people were there? Like what? 2,000, 3,000?
1: I think the the sign off was like almost close to 4,000.
0: 4,000 people. And so they're all doing the exact same thing. And so you have to get into this river, swim all of that. Once you get to the end point, then you have to jog over to the bike, go get your bike. And then you get on that bike for, and then you take that for how long?
1: 56 miles,
0: 56 miles on a bike. And then once you go to 56 miles on a bike, and then after that you're supposed to jog and how long was the jog?
1: Half a marathon,
0: 13.1, <laughs> 13.1 miles. Okay. So <laughs> already there. So, okay. So time comes in, you're, um, you're about to get into the water. And I remember, like, I was there with my camera. I had my whole the little camera thing or whatever. And there were people that had already jumped into the river in your group. Your whole group that you trained with was there. And then... I remember this one girl. She couldn't swim too far out because it was so cold, and she couldn't. And she tried, and she couldn't. And then they had to bring her back, you know. And I was just like, "Man, I'm like, that's got to be hard just to go that much, and then to be brought back." So then you go, you jump into the river, and I'm like recording you or whatever. And so then, as you're as you're swimming, you're swimming. I saw you s- stopping. First of all, what did you feel? What 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 was in your head when you jumped into that water?
1: Um. So I think the fear was already set. The temperature outside was like 40 and the water temp was 63. And I felt like it was already set like in my head. And seeing the people go before me, before me, before me, like one of the guys that went before me, he was, you could tell he just had like a tri body. He was lean and and fit. Mm. So you knew like this wasn't his first rodeo. And I remember seeing him jump in and then seeing him come out. And I'm thinking to myself, if he looks like that (laughs) and he jumps in and he jumps out, I'm screwed. So I think already in my head, I already had it built. Like, I'm Mm. not going to be able to get past the water. I'm not. It's too cold. People are jumping in. People are jumping out. I think I was already like mentally freaking out.
0: Yeah. So then you jumped in and then. I jumped in. Mm -hmm.
1: And it was instantly like. (laughs) 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 like, Oh, my God. Sorry for doing this for like the first whatever meters it was just to like kind of like warm up warm up and I remember like sticking my head in the water and just thinking like this is so cold this is so cold like I I was like how am I gonna get warmed up and I was already in the wrong swimsuit you know it wasn't even the right swimsuit I'm like Mm -hmm. you know there's no way I'm gonna warm up so I think like past the first I don't know 100 yards or whatever I think that's when you saw me stop and then flag the kayak person Mm -hmm. and then seeing people like on there and then seeing the guy in front of me you know like i remember like my feet were going like in his direction when i was pointing onto the kayak and and i was kind of like i'm sorry i'm sorry my you you're touching you and i remember him saying like i just just need to come down i just need to just you know be here for a moment i'm like oh my god like i'm just like seeing like people freak out and that was making me freak out and i was cold and mentally i just couldn't get over the fact that this is cold water and your body's not warming up. I, I, I couldn't get past that mental block. block. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And do and you know, although all the times that you've done the training, had you done it in cold water, it was all like room temp or like mile? No,
1: like, I, that last week or so, I want to say like, I remember one of my friends saying, you know, come out with us. The water's going to be colder, you know, just in case. And I remember like getting the water and thinking, fuck, this is cold. Yeah. Like, if this is cold, you know, like well, and I remember thinking like, you know, this is cold. Oh my God. And I can't warm up. But I remember thinking, oh, good thing Waco's going to be like warm enough to deal with this shit. Right. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> Big surprise. It was such so Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I remember Monica and I were walking, Monica, our cousin. So we were walking over because we were going to meet you where the other part was at for you to get out of the water. And we saw them pulling you out. And then I remember Monica was like, oh, girl, no, oh, girl. And she was just like, you know, and I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a big one. I was like, breaking up with an asshole ain't nothing compared to what she's about to feel. So I was like, híjole. So I was like, okay. So I walked over. You got out of the water. You were walking up to me. And immediately, as soon as you walked up to me, you broke down and just started Crying your eyes out and I was like okay and I felt just as bad for you and just for the situation because I knew how much work you'd put into that and I was just like not it, it's not even that you could, didn't finish it is that you just stopped so early on in the game and I think that was what was going to eat it I was like that's going to eat her up that's going to eat her up and so I was like okay so then I hugged you we were all hugging or whatever and then after that you know I gave you you didn't have any socks or you didn't have your shoes right you left your chanclas somewhere right yeah so <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I took off I, my socks or I gave you my socks. So you had something to walk in and I just used my shoes or whatever. And then we walked over and we went to the Jeep and we got into the Jeep. And then after that, of course, we went to go to a Whataburger and got a bunch of stuff at Whataburger. Um, and then we went back to the hotel room. So after that, like, you know, some people for some people, they wouldn't be able to like get past that or they wouldn't be able to like pick themselves up and say, Oh shit. Like, sh- and you know, to go through all of that, you know, a person's obviously going to feel like I failed or I'm a failure. Like I didn't fail that. And you know, and I know you felt that way. Cause you were talking about that. And in my head, I'm like, this bitch went through all that shit with us growing up. She was able to go to college to put herself through college, got her master's. She built herself a great career. She's, you know, she just bought her dream vehicle. You know, it's like all these accomplishments in my head. I'm like thinking like she's achieved so much. This is like, you know, a little sip of something. Has nowhere near the amount of accomplishments that you've made in your life. And yet, this one thing here. So I was like, oh God, I hope this one thing doesn't, you know, keep her from trying to move forward or progress herself. So for people who may not know what that was like, like, what did you have to do to come out of that? Because I mean, here you are, you're on camera now, you're smiling, you're like, know, you know, Corona, I'm here. <laughs> Corona's great. I'm doing great in Corona, you know, Corona's my best friend. So for a lot of people they are like, well, she's still pretty optimistic or she seems still put together, you know, but going through something like that, that's got to be hard. It's not easy for someone to go through. No. So how did you, how did you work past that? Cause I mean, I'm sure it still eats you up to some point. It's still, it does. yeah. So it's not <laughs> like it's gone away. It's still there, but how were you able to like, still live with that and then move past that point? Um... A lot of cries.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, definitely the first week, um, I was kind of resentful with running because when some of my runs, some of my practice runs before the Ironman, I would like run and then on my last few miles, I would raise my hand up, mm. like raise my hands up mentally because I'm mentally picturing myself like running through the finish line. Mm-hmm. So I would do that a lot. So I had a lot of resentment with running mm. and I literally cried for the first week when running, yeah. like after my runs, I would like literally just stop in the middle of my run and just cry because I felt like a fucking failure. Yeah. Like I, And literally for like the first week, I would run and cry. Stop dead on my tracks while running and just cry it out. And I did felt like a failure. I felt like... I trained so hard, and I kept, like, comparing. I kept saying, like, you know, people go do Ironmans their first time, and they do, like, nothing, and then they go to the full, and they do, it like, nothing. So I was very, I was comparing myself a lot, and, like, you know, how could they, you know, you know, like, why did this happen to me, blah, blah, blah. But I think at the end of the day, I just let it go. Mm. And, like, I have co-workers who have done, like, half marathon, I mean, half Ironmans, Iron they're like, oh, so, like, they were all like, oh, everybody's gonna come in with the medal, and mm. so, like, Having to not, you know, like not having the metal and, you know, it just, I felt like a fucking failure. But I feel like at the end of the day, I just had to get over it. I still don't know if I will do another Ironman. I do like the training part of it. I loved it. it, it it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I still, you know, run my mileage now or I cycle. But I feel like, you know, I tried it. It didn't work out. I still enjoy working out. I still do my miles. But i just learned to let it go mm. it was an experience it was an awesome experience and i felt like even though i failed at it it was still fun mm. and i remember Nono, like when i hugged you and Moni, that was if you guys weren't there i would be like oh my god yeah. like i'm so glad that you guys were there because now like i remember like saying i failed i felt fail. i felt like a failure yeah. but i was so happy that you and Moni were there yeah. like
0: yeah, I I was just pro- I was still proud of you. Like e- even now, like as you talk about it, I'm so proud of you. Just the fact that you can go through that experience and still be like, but I'm still here, bitches. You know, I'm still here. You know, I'm still I'm still trying to get toilet paper at the grocery store like everybody else. You know, so you're still here and you're still pushing through it and you're still working through stuff. And I think that everything that you've gone through, even though you are an optimistic person, even though you are someone who has you know, tries to be positive. We practice law of attraction, trying to manifest our, our desires and all this stuff. Which we have, for the most part, we've really done a lot of work in, in achieving those things, and we do very well for ourselves. I mean, in comparison to a lot of the people in our past and in our families who have not done so well. You know, some people in our family don't like us because they're like we're bougie or we're the we're the stuck up ones. But we're like eh, we just have higher expectations for ourselves. That's it. But we we believe we can do more, and we do. We work hard to do more. So, but there are a lot of people who they wouldn't be able to get through something like that or they really would probably at that point, that's the end of the road for them. And you are still able to get through that. And I think it's because we have a balance of like, yeah, it's great to be positive and optimistic, but sometimes it's not going to be easy. Sometimes it's going to hurt. It's going to be a bitch of pain to go through. And I think I have a, with all of the the Corona stuff, I have a, a neighbor who she had a breakdown a few days ago because um this was and she's a very she tries to be a very positive person. But some people they're just like they're too positive. And it's almost like everything has to be perfect and I'm gonna be positive, positive, positive. And as long as everything's per- perfect and I'm positive all the time, life's gonna be peachy peachy. And the minute that something happens that you have no control over, that you're completely like side swiped with, people like that can't handle it. And they they don't handle it so well. And they actually they burn like they crash and burn real hard and i think that that's the thing that i admire about you and that's the thing that i appreciate about you is that with everything that you've gone through and everything that you've overcome you know you're still yeah you still sometimes fall flat on the on your face but then you're like (laughs) Well, you know, at least, you know, you know, but at least I have an excuse to go to the, like, go get some, um, some, some work done or something like, it's like, you'll come up with a reason to look at it from a positive point of view. You'll find a reason to feel good about it. So what do you think is important for people? Like, as far as being positive and like understanding the concept that life isn't perfect, but being positive is important, but how much of it is really authentic positivity versus toxic positivity where you're like faking the positivity.
1: Um, I will say that it's okay to cry and it's okay to not always be positive because we're human and we're going to have those obstacles. And I feel like expressing your emotions, ex- expressing how you feel, letting it all out, having a good cry, mm-hmm. it just helps. It just helps make things a little easier. Yeah. Um, and I feel like once you can let go and cry it all out, then you could be like, okay, what's the next thing? Yeah. You know, there's times where, you know, I try to be positive and my cheese will fall off my cracker and I will, you know, you, you could tell I'm having one of those moments or like, oh Lord, are am having one of our crazy moments? Mm. Um, and I feel like, you know, trying to stay positive, even when it gets really hard um, is great. Um, but I feel like, yeah, it, it's okay to let your emotions out and, have a good cry
0: so what what are you the most proudest what are you the most proud of in your life?
1: i think I'm most proud of like as a whole, like you and I like our family, I feel like other family members saw us not getting far in life, mm. and I feel like had this perception you know based on mom and how she is I feel like it almost like they felt sorry for us and they felt like we weren't going to get far Mm. and I feel like given the the life circumstances that we've had how we've grown up and what we've been exposed to I feel like you know we're not we, we we didn't we didn't do so bad you know there's still a lot that we have to learn there's still a lot probably coming our way but I feel like for the most part you know we've We've done pretty good, and I'm proud of myself, and I'm proud of you now, Mm. and I feel like, you know, we've done pretty well in our lives.
0: I remember when I, you know, I hadn't seen you, you were like 11 or 12, I hadn't seen you in years, and so I didn't, I saw you before puberty, so then I suddenly saw you after puberty and you just like <laughs> blossom into this woman. And I was like, this is my sister, y'all. This is my sister. But, and at that time it was more like, you know, look how pretty she is. Look how this she is. Look and so I was like, that. and then today it's like, oh yeah, she's pretty. Big, big fucking deal. You know, for me, it's more like, but she's super intelligent. And like, she will like, she will like blow your ass away with everything that she's done. And I think today <laughs> what I'm proud of is the authentic success you are. Because in, in, in everything that you've achieved and done, there's so many little wins that it's like, there's just no way, like even if one thing doesn't work out in your life or you don't achieve one thing that you wanted to achieve, the amount of successes that you've had and wins that you've had overshadows anything that you will ever fail at. So in my opinion, it's like, well, yeah, she's pretty, a big whoop-de-doo, but she's a, she's an amazing person, you know, no matter what, whether we're having like one of those Fights that we tend to have every now and then, and you're like, you know, whatever. But even with all of that, like, I still am so proud of you. And I think that you, if anything, I think one of the things I'm most proud of of in my life is the fact that I got a, a chance to help you be who you are. That's the most, that's one of the most proud things I am of in my life. So I want you to know that.
1: Thank you, Nano. Thank you. <laughs> 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 NaNo. really quick, I do want to say, because I feel like I need to say it, I want to say mad props to all those people who have done successful Iron Mans, because that's hard. Yeah. So, mad props to those people.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's all I got. Cool. If you enjoyed this episode and want more, then like, share, and review my show on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and check out my website at www.fernandomarone.com for additional content, updates, articles, and more. Till next time, kiddos, and I hope you have yourselves a namaste.